Hashtag Psychotherapy Unfogged with Mark Fielding Hello, welcome to series 4, episode 16 of Hashtag Psychotherapy Unfogged. As you know, I'm Mark Fielding, psychotherapist and relationship counsellor and your host. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of being joined by actor, comedian and co-founder and director of Stand Up Studios. Um, Jack has starred along Jack, uh, alongside Jack Whitehall in Bad Education and Ricky Gervais in Life's Too Short. So I'd like to welcome Jack Binstead to the show. Thanks for coming on, Jack. Good to meet you. Thank you for having me. Uh, and as our viewers on YouTube can see, um, Joe is also sitting in on this one. So, yeah, nice to have you Mark. on board, Joe. Uh, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just to check to, so just to kick off, I wonder, it's, it's a big question, I guess, to kick off with. But could you tell us a little bit around, I don't know, your relationship with mental health? I mean, well, well, what's been your, your kind of mental health journey over the years? Um. That's a good question. I feel like it's something that I've definitely avoided taking care of over the years or or perhaps neglected that there's ever been issues, you know, because I, I remember being 15 years old and landing my first ever massive acting job and just thinking, like, what have I got to lose? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm I a teenager. I'm not making any money right now. I'm yeah. in school. I don't have any. And I got this job, and it was huge. And it took me right through to the age of about 18, 19 yeah. years old. And I couldn't have been at my – I couldn't have been any happier. You know what I mean? Like, I had more money than my own peers. I had a full-time job as an actor, which meant as a 19-year-old kid, I could do whatever the hell I wanted during yeah, the day. amazing. In the hope that there'd be more acting work and so on and so forth. Um. But unfortunately, I didn't have an easy ride with acting. So once I came off the back of that job, I very much struggled to get myself into a new role. And by 20, I was broke, single, unhappy. Um, you know, I had no idea how to save money. I just knew how to, I just knew how to receive it. Yeah. Um, I didn't go to uni because I was an actor. So I just felt like that was my only career path. Um, I dropped out of college again because I was an actor and I had somewhere to be to film. So I, I sort of, yeah, I, I hit that was probably the first low point in my life was, was yeah. 20. Um, and then as a dad, you know, I became a dad at 22. And over the years, I've had a series of different jobs to keep me afloat. And I, I've now gone down a route of um, owning my own company and, yeah. and sort of starting our own disability-led um company and this year i think for me has been the biggest mental health journey for me i like the biggest test of my yeah. life so far has been this year i've had cancer scares breakups i've had uh, um just like a tough time in general like yeah. family and, and what you go through with family um finances employment it's been a real i'm not out of the woods yet I, i've definitely been happier than i am in this very moment but i i've i've been worse this year if that makes sense yeah i mean i, I guess what, as you kind of talk about you know your, your life and leading up to where you are now i mean it's i guess for the young jack i mean goodness me it's almost like a charmed life really i mean getting you know the acting job and having more money than your peers although possibly that had a bit of a shadow side i mean did that separate you off from your peers a bit was there jealousy or i mean were there um, any negatives that came from it yeah i think you know there was uh, 
because I was in school at the time, you know, I had my school friends and I sort of then became this guy. And, I, you know, everyone went from just seeing me in the playground or seeing me in the classroom to seeing me on their TVs every single night. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. On front of buses and on billboards. And, and, that's, and so I think, you know, there was, I, I, I definitely at that point learned that my circle was much smaller than it appeared. Okay. You know, yeah. I was always, I was always very much someone who said, I, I, I would, I believe, I would rather have a hundred friends than two best friends, because I, I like the mass side to it. Yeah. I like the variation to the people, and, and what I found in that moment was actually that mass was very much just like, you know, and and there was two or three that always stuck about, and I'm still friends with those people, you know, fifteen years later now, and, and obviously that shows a lot of truth behind you know really knowing who you're with and who your circle yeah. is yeah. um but yeah there definitely was you know um jealousy and, and you know hateful comments that came my way over the years going into college and, and you know meeting yeah. people because i also did performing arts and so yeah. there were people that turned up like oh my god he's turned up he's already on the tv what's all this about and then me leaving a year into a three-year course to go and film the third series of Bad Education. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Is. But, you know, yeah, I, I, I've definitely had sort of the negative side of it. I've lost friends over the years, but then I've made new ones. So, yeah. things are not about, like, I see it. Yeah. And, and and then just, uh, and I'll let you come in, Jane, in a minute, but then just go, going, kind of moving up then into your, your 20s, and then I guess being a bit all at sea, really. I mean that sounds like a tough time, really. When you with what sorry? Well, we kind of when you when you moved up, when when the series finished, and then finding yourself a little bit kind of all at sea. I mean, I guess your life really changed at that point. I mean, you had to like start creating something else, I guess, from what you said. Yeah, I think I think I I sort of hit my first battle at that point because I was I was eighteen. I just finished the bad education movie. I just met someone new in a, in a relationship wise yeah. at that point, and. I had zero cares in the world. I felt like I had zero cares. Yeah. I still lived at home. I didn't drive. You know, my outgoing bills were minimal, which meant that I was able to party four or five times a week. Yeah. And I was able to buy clothing that, you know, I was probably going to wear twice. And I was eating out all the time. And I had zero care. And I didn't have anyone around me, actually, to tell me that, you know, you probably shouldn't do this. I'm not putting any blame on my family or my friends, but I, I, I don't. I didn't have that work. There was someone to go, you should probably start saving money, you know, just in case. I never yeah. had that. And I never, yeah. I never brought that mentality either. So, well, you know, you, I put you were blame. young, weren't you? Yeah. 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 You know, um, so yeah, I, I, I remember sort of, I had a few big auditions that year off the back of the movie. I had a few big auditions. And if I'd gotten it, it would have made me. And I didn't get them. And that's just part of being in the industry. You don't get everything you go for. Yeah. And I took it on the chin. I said, it's not a problem. It's fine. You know, something's going to come through. And I spent that year partying. I spent it spending money, but I also spent it with my phone in my hand, just waiting for that email yeah. or that call, going, "This is what you're doing next." And it never came through. And I really psychoanalyzed that. I sort of, you know, over the years, I sort of tried to figure out what it was. And I, I ended up also going through a bit of a battle at that point in times in terms of identity. Yeah. which I think is one of the massive downfalls of my mental health, actually, in the in more recently, sort of within the last year of my life, is me coming to the realisation that I don't actually know who I am. Yeah. 
I sort of feel like I don't know who the real me is. Because the me that you see is this sort of overly confident lad who likes to be the centre of attention in the middle of a joke and likes to make the whole crowd laugh, the whole room laugh. But when I sit back and I actually take some quiet time on board and I reflect, I sort of go, you know what, that's a lot of effort that is for me to be that guy. It's not natural. I am trying to be that person. Yeah. But I then sort of thought, well, if that's not me, who am I? And I can't give you an answer because I don't feel like I know anymore. And that's that's me being having to be that guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've had to keep up a yeah. persona in the years. You go out with friends, you go out to all these parties and whatnot, and they go, Oh my god, you're like on TV. And then you've got to be the guy that they see on TV. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, yeah. You don't have to, but that's the trap. You you feel that you have to be Definitely. they want you to be, you know. Yeah. You lose yourself over the years. Yeah. Did you want to come in, Joe? Yeah, sure. I just wanted to ask, um, in terms of like because you were a young actor, did you think there was much support in terms of like what to expect once something like your big gig like bad education had finished, like what to expect and how to deal with it? No, there was nothing of the sort really. I mean, you know, when I guess, I guess there was, you know, no one wants anything to come to an end, like, like a project like that. You know, everyone wanted to continue and have another series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we knew, we definitely knew at the end of the Bad Education movie, the first one, that we wasn't going to do a second movie. Uh, it just felt wrong to continue going, you know, it would be like an in-betweeners moment. We didn't want to kill it with a second movie just yeah. for the sake of a wage. Yeah, yeah. And we knew that our time was done. And... You know, that was sad. It was definitely like, you know, a little bit of an end of an era because we'd broken every comedy record. You know, we were the most viewed BBC comedy and um, how hard that hit was actually, you know, last year when we came back with a 10-year reunion. You know, how how many views that got and how how well received that was really sort of rung true that this was a huge project. But no, I don't remember there ever being sort of like a here's the next step sort of thing or here's what to expect. It was very much just chucking you back into your ordinary life, whatever that is, and then continuing the same. You know, your, your agent calls you up and says, here's an audition or, you know, you need to do a self-tape for this. You know, I, I was just waiting for that and never got it. And then just continuously battling with myself, though. I, you know, I, I had this... I think the identity issue started at that point because mm-hmm. I wanted to be this bearded tattooed viking which is what i am today as an adult but about then i had this big flock of hair and i had no beard and i was a little bit slimmer and i started getting tattoos because i had the money to do so and i got them in places where you couldn't see them and then i just thought you know what screw it and i started getting tattoos on my arms and my hands and my fingers and my agent was continuously battling with me and my mother was continuing going you're ruining your life you know and I'm going, this is who I want to be, though. I want to be a tattooed person. Yeah. You know, that's how I want people to view me. It's oh, he's yeah. cool with my toes. Yeah. So on more than one occasion, I proved my agent and my mother wrong in the sense that I got these tattoos and still had acting work to do. It wasn't a problem. Times change. You know, they're more accepting of tattoos. and whatnot. Definitely, yeah. But I, I definitely had this, yeah. I mean, that was one of the big reasons why I stopped getting as much acting work it was because I was no longer this blank canvas that you could mould me into whatever character you were writing. Yeah. I now only fit a small criteria of 
oh, you want to go and go chill your toes? Yeah, I know a guy. You know, it, it, I limited myself. I knew that I was doing that, but yeah, yeah. I, I had to do that for my for my own sake, really. Well, yeah, that, that's exactly what I was thinking, Jack, really. I mean, I guess, I mean, just tying in what you were saying earlier, I mean, I guess an identity was created for you, you know, and I guess, you know, arguably even now, you know, I mean, because of the ex- expectation of other people, you know, it's really difficult to stop being that person. So I guess with you know with with the tattoos and the beard this is you trying to step yeah. out of that isn't it and just find yourself yeah i yeah i think you know, you're right in saying that a character was created for me i don't think i ever sort of had a moment where i went this is who i want to be or how i want to come across no if you went if you were in the street and you met tobin bell from saw you wouldn't expect him to sort of like tap dance and crack a few jokes you'd <laughs> expect him to have this sort of store like very dark persona because he's keeping that up yeah yeah that's where you know him from so i was i was blindly chucked into this world of acting you know it wasn't anything i ever wanted to do i never wanted to be an actor in my life it just sort of happened and i you know a, a great opportunity why not you know and um but now i had to be this funny guy because i was in a comedy and i had to be that attitude feel cheeky chap because that's who Rem dog was yeah and you know, and, and I was also at a point in my life where I was lapping this up. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was I was 18, 19 years old, you know, I became single and I uh was like, you know, fucking hell ladies, who am I? You know, it was one of those, it was like, <laughs> shit, dude, I'm Jack fucking Binstead. I was like, <laughs> you know, I yeah. was like, I'm that guy, yeah. you know. And, yeah, uh, I, and people saw me in this in the same way. Yeah. So I laughed up at that point in my life, and I think that's also where I lost friends because they sort of saw this side to me that they didn't mm-hmm. enjoy. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really notice myself being that person. I just thought I was being the co- confident, cocky person they yeah. wanted me to be. Yeah. You know, uh, so it was almost like a trap in the hindsight for myself. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that's probably where that that, that all came from. Yeah, and and, and yeah. just then just with one question, I'd let you come and join a minute. But the yeah. element of it, of it being a trap, yeah, I mean, I really connect with that. You know, so so now you're in a position in your life. I mean, I, we we'll talk about kind of what you're doing and um and the business that, that you've set up in a minute. But but I guess now you're now you're in in a place where you're starting to reconnect with maybe less with a persona and trying to rediscover who Jack Binstead is underneath that. Yeah, that's uh, I, I, I've, I've had some real, real battles this year. Yeah. Um, are you guys familiar with a story called the Chinese farmer? I may be going to say a bit, say a bit of it. Well, I, I went for a, a real tough time at the start of the year, and a lot of people around me, people who like lived across the world, they knew that I wasn't being me, even through social media. Yeah. And one guy said, what's up? And I said, like, you know, I'm going through this at the moment. I'm a bit down. I was about 400 miles from home to, I was, you know, away doing a pool tournament. And um, he said, oh, you know, this isn't you, man. This isn't the guy that I once met. And I said, I don't know what to do. And he said, listen to this tape. And he, and he, and he sent me a link to this 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 recording. And I'll tell you it. And I swear to God, it changed my life. It, it literally changed my life. And it's something that I literally have to think about on a daily basis in order yeah. to have the new mentality that I want to have in order to keep. But uh you got you got a Chinese farmer and his son, okay, we're talking maybe eight hundred years ago. Um they're, they're turnip farmers, okay, and they live on this plot of land and they grow the the turnips. And they don't own the land, 
So whatever they make, they've got to pay rent on, they've got to pay rent to live there. And yeah. they make a very small percentage of what they actually do. The old man, he's now too old to farm the land, so the son's got to do it. And he's got a workhorse. So every single day he goes out of the land and he plows the turnips and the horse does all the rest of the work. And one day this horse jumps over the gate and it runs off in the hills. And he turns around to his dad and he says, Dad, this is a nightmare. Without the horse, I can't do the farm work. I said, this is a nightmare. He goes, you know what, son? It might be a nightmare, but it might not be either. The son's thinking, this guy's out for lunch. Like, what's he on about? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah. A few days later, he sat out on the porch. He's starving, hungry. He's got nothing to do. He hears this thunderous noise coming from the hills. As he looks up, he sees the workhorse running back down towards the farm with 50 wild stallions behind it. And he opens the gate and he lets them into the, into the land. And he closes it and he goes up to his dad. He goes, Dad, this is a miracle. This is a, to get turnip farming. We're in the trade horse trade business. Yeah. You know, we're rich. And he goes, you know what, son? It might be a miracle, but it might not be. He doesn't know what he means. He's like, this is, how can you not see? So the son's out of the land and he's domesticating these horses for sale. Okay, and he's going one by one and it's all going well. And he gets to this one horse and this one horse just isn't playing ball. Right? And it rears up and it kicks him in the leg, shatters his shit, completely breaks his leg. Right? And his dad's got to somehow drag him into this hut and put him on a chair. And he goes, Dad, this is a nightmare. He goes, if I can't walk, I can't move, and I can't domesticate these horses. And if we can't do that, then we got to farm the land. And I can't do any of that with one leg, and you're too old. This is a nightmare, Dad. This might be the end of us. And he goes, you know what, son? This might be the end of us. This, this is a nightmare. But also, it may not be. Mm. So another few days go by, and the son's in the middle of pain, and they hear this thunderous noise again coming from the hills. 5,000 samurai soldiers on horseback come riding down towards this hut. And the leader of this army gets off and he walks into the hut. He looks at the dad. He looks at the son. And he goes, we need your son to join the army. We're going off to fight the Maui army and we need every single person that we can. And he looks at his son and he goes, look, you can't have him. His leg is bust up. He can't walk. He can't get on a horse. There's no way that you can have him. And he goes, yeah, you know what? Fair enough. We'll allow this one. And he gets back on his horse and that 5,000 army right off to their death against the Maui army. All 5,000 died. And I remember hearing this about one in the morning on a beach, about 400 miles from home. And I was like, oh my God, if all of that hadn't happened in the order that it had happened, he'd have died. Yeah. That horse yeah. hadn't kicked them, he'd have gone to fight in the war. And if a horse hadn't run away and left them hungry, he wouldn't have brought 50 back. And it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, I sort of, this year have had to accept that I am in the position I'm in because I'm meant to be in this position. Yeah. I'm meant to go through these hardships in order to realise and appreciate life. You know, I was on such, I, I went for a real tough time the first couple of months and then I went off to Vegas in April and I had a great time. Me and the co-founder of my company, we were filming, having a great time. You know, I loved Vegas. And then I came back with this potential cancer, cancerous tumour, which they discovered whilst I was out there. And that set me right back. I was like, oh, shit, I've got cancer. I then had two months of, of being prodded, poked, and tested for cancer. And then me having to go, well, I'm meant to be in this position. And it's so hard to do, isn't it? When you sort of, you yeah. know, how am I meant to accept that I'm meant to have potentially have cancer right now? You know, why yeah. am I meant to be in, in this scenario? Unfortunately, I find out that what I have is a non-cancerous tumour. And I don't have to worry about it growing into it being cancerous, it's benign, it's non-cancerous. Yeah. 
and I and I I work in this job. I was working in customer service for this job, and I absolutely hated it. I didn't like the people I worked with. I didn't like anything. And I resigned, quit, and I said, you know, I life's too short for this, you know, and I, and I just left, and I had no money to to fall back on, mm-hmm. you know, single father living at home still had no money to fall back on. I quit. And the, net, and, the, and the last two months have been a real struggle because I've had no money. I've really been trying to find the money. I had a little acting job and yeah. I've sold some watches that I bought over the yeah. years. And, yeah. You know, I'm trying to stay afloat right now, you know, and I'm having to tell myself again, you know, Chinese farmer, Chinese farmer, you're meant to be here right now. Yeah. Maybe you've got to experience the lows in order to really appreciate the highs and vice versa. And that's what's coming. But I have to convince myself of that to keep myself going. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I guess he's putting it in context. Joe, did you want to come in? Yeah, sure. I just wanted to go back, like, if you don't mind, I just wanted to go back to the persona thing. It kind of echoes a documentary I watched. There's, I don't know if you've heard of the the YouTuber Bazinga. Yeah. And, um, from the side when he the did a documentary, yeah. and he's, like, so known for his laugh and being this joyful person and happy. And in this documentary, he talks about how he, he was struggling because, like, his mum had been unwell. Yeah. His dad left when he was a child. Then yeah. he had this new dad and this dad left as well. And then his mum got diagnosed with cancer. And then he was turning to drinking and smoking and stuff. And he got to this point where he felt like he wanted to like end his life. It's um like he had this whole persona, like everyone expected him to yeah. be this happy go lucky person, known for his laugh. It just reminded me of that. Like Yeah, I think it's way people. more I think it's way more common for people who are sort of in the limelight and, and have social media and, and whatnot to actually Definitely. be in the scenario that me and, and Bazinga are in, you know. Um, but it is, it's, it, you know, it is interesting. And, and I feel like me and Bazinga would both come back to you right now with the same answers. I'll call him for you and find out. I know him really well. But I, oh, um, wow. I, yeah. but, um, I, I feel like we both would have the same answer here in the sense that, Despite the fact we know that this is a persona and that we we are you know maintaining a character, if you then put us, you then said, "Ah, oh, Jack, you know, are you coming out tonight? All the boys are out, and we're bringing a couple of girls and whatnot. We're going to go for drinks." And I go, "Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll come." Yeah, and the second I see them, I'm like, "Right, persona on." And I, and it's it's not even mm-hmm. like a you know even after having a 20 minute conversation myself in the mirror about not wanting to be that guy anymore as soon as i'm in that scenario i'm in yeah. and i can't turn it off you know because i don't know what i would do or how i would be or what yeah. i would say or what they would say if i just decided to go sit in the corner of the room and just not talk to anyone yeah right which is probably a really really um extreme version of what i shouldn't do you know i mean no one's just going to go sit in the corner of the room and not do anything. So that's obviously not what the the non persona version of me would do. But no. what would he do then? I can't tell you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's difficult to, you know, to connect. I mean, just, just bringing in what you were saying about the cancer scare, it's like, a, I mean, good goodness me. I mean, that, that, I mean, that yeah. alone, Joe, I mean, that is massive. And talk about change, changing perspective on life. I mean, thank goodness it wasn't, you know, something that was going to grow. But you didn't know that at first, did you? No. And again, it was probably the bit I, 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 I do apologise. I refer to Chinese farmer about every other sentence in my life nowadays. I really have to. Am I going to get it tattooed on me? Because, But again, it was one of the biggest Chinese farmer moments for me because I was in Vegas and I woke up with kidney stones. 
Yeah. That's what it was. I woke up and I, I was trying to wee and I couldn't wee. And I, for like half a day, I was really trying to pee. I was trying to carry on with my day. And, and I got to the point where I was keeling over with kidney pains. Uh, and I had to take myself off to the emergency room. Yeah. And um, had a, a CT scan and they, they put this dye in me and they had a look and they said, yeah, yeah no, you've got kidney stones, dude. It's at the end of the tube, though, so you're going to pass it pretty soon. He said, you are aware that you've got a four-centimetre uh, four tumour on your liver? And That's I said, grief. no. What a moment. No. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, dude, you have a raised, very angry, it's like, like a Christmas tree here, tumour on your liver. And, um, and they said, you've also got a hernia in your stomach, but we'll leave that one for the time being. And... Uh, uh, I've got a high atrial hernia in my stomach, which means I get a lot of acid reflux and yeah. I get flucked quite quickly when it comes to eating. Um, but back to the tumor, yeah, they said, you know, you've got you've got this going on. They said, when you get out, you've got to get yourself looked at. Um, and I, I, yeah, I, I had scans, I had blood tests, and there definitely was something raised, like an enzyme yeah. raised. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I had a, an ultrasound and they said it's grown. And I'm like, it's definitely cancer is grown. Come on. It went from four centimetres to seven centimetres in the space of about, well, in the space of about five to six weeks from me finding it. How long I've had it prior to knowing it was there, I don't know. But um, it'd grown. Yeah, terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, every single day. And thankfully, my mother works in in a medical environment, so... She had private medical environment, so she was able to get some second opinions. And I was able to get answers in relation to what this could be and what it might be quicker than the NHS for giving them to me. So for peace of mind, I was receiving these these answers yeah. that were positive in the sense that I have something called FNH, which is a um, focal nodular hyperplasia. It's a, a mass or a tumour that you get. They don't know why you get it. They can't tell you that. Um, but they are non-cancerous benign tumors. So even if it was to stay in me, I've never had it taken out. It's still there now. I have an appointment at some point in the next month or two, I guess, yeah. um, just to keep an eye on it. But um, there, there, there's no need to remove it because it can never become cancerous. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, which is which is great. But I mean, what a life-changing moment. I mean, if if if, yeah. if, if ever there is a moment to to yeah. stop, take a breath, and then look at your life, I mean, that is the moment right there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, I agree. it's interesting as well, isn't it? I think you know, in that in that moment, you, it's very much that fight, fight or flight, isn't it? And um, yeah. had it been cancer, it would have it would have been a lot, obviously, you know, a lot more of a a heart wrenching moment and and decision to what do I do next? Especially as a young father, that was my main worry, my main upset every single day was leaving yeah, behind her, her yeah. growing up, not really knowing me. She's only four years old. Um, so that I think mean, that was my biggest win was when I found out I didn't have it. it was like you know yeah. I get to be a dad. I get to be a dad still. That's my my favorite thing in life is my daughter. Um, but yeah, it was tough. It was very very tough to sort of have to accept that that might be a scenario. You know that might be the case. Um, and you go through a lot, don't you? Like you know, people make their own minds up on what is important to them. You know, I smoke. I drink. Um, I might have cancer. I didn't. St- I stopped drinking during that process, but mm. I still smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Um, and I find out that I don't have cancer, and I celebrated with a cigarette. Um, and then my 
life-changing, you know, the choices that I wanted to change in my life, it wasn't, I'm going to quit smoking. It wasn't going to quit my job. You know, and it's interesting, isn't it, how people respond in that moment. For me, it was like, Definitely. wow, life's too short. I'm not going to sit behind a desk for a job that I don't like. Other yeah. people would be like, yeah, well, I've got to pay rent, but I will give up smoking. So I think it's, and, and I, I guess yeah. if you were, as someone in your position who does what you do for a living, if you were to read into that, I'm sure you could write a book out of that. Because that really is, you know, the, the, the full yeah. process behind the choices you make yeah. really do say a lot about who you are. No, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was, I, I agree. Like my, I agree with you when it changes your perspective of life. Because, like, my partner was diagnosed with cancer last year and it's definitely, like, turn, turned our life upside down because last year was, like, a really bad year. We'd had two losses and then my partner got cancer. Yeah. Um, Like, she's nearing, nearing the end of her treatment now and it's positive which is good but like it just flips your world upside down like like oh my god all this stuff we had planned will it still happen what do we do this scenario happens if that scenario happens so like Mm -hmm. i'm definitely even though i'm not the one that's had cancer i'm definitely taking opportunities when they come um and she's the same like any opportunity she's learning to say yes to more things like i've told her to like if she wants to be she could be more set that she could be selfish if it mean being means that she's happy yeah like we we only moved last year because like we had less we didn't have much room in our house and um her, her mum came and helped her out us out with everything with appointments and everything and she's wanted to move back towards her family because she's realized how like valuable life can be um when stuff like that happens so i've told her like if you want to move back I'm only going to my job one day into work one day a week because I'm working from home like just small stuff like that like it really does and it makes you want to take opportunities when they come yeah like time stops doesn't it and then just just as yeah I mean just as you both saying you know I guess these are moments when people evaluate their lives and and make you know big life decisions you know I mean it's so easy to go through life on automatic pilot and it (laughs) Lots of people do it, don't they? You just go through life, automatic pilot, job you hate, oh, blah, blah, blah. You know, but when something like that happens, I think you have a look at your life and think, hold on a second, you know, I, I need to be happy here. I need to be doing things that are meaningful, you know. And, yeah, and everyone kind of reacts differently. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm going to move around. I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of the time, Jack. I mean, I want, I want to ask you about stand-up studios. Mm. Could you say a bit more about, I mean, because this is where you are currently, isn't it? Yeah, so Stand Up Studios is a disability-led production company. Yeah, um, myself and my co-founder Andy Mills, we both have the disability brittle bones. Um, we've both predominantly. I've I've been a wheelchair user all my life. Um, he's predominantly been a wheelchair user most of his life. Different severities. He's been able to walk a lot more than I have over the years. But we're both wheelchair users now. Um, yeah, do you know what it was? It was it was very random. We're both people. I feel who are in similar places in our lives where we do what we do and we are who we are, but it's exhausting being who we are because I think on top of being that guy on TV, I've also had to battle with being that disabled guy. And I'm way too proud of a person for you to see me in any way less than the guy that you think is fucking great who can walk. 
Right. And that's a battle that I have in my own head. I don't need to be that person to someone I don't know, but I will be that person every damn time. Yeah. And so I've had to do that as well as be that character that they want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't had that TV side of things, but he definitely has had that disability one where he's also that funny man. He's that clever guy, you know. He he is such a, a flirt, <laughs> you know, and he does so well off of it as well. Being these guys in wheelchairs, we go out drinking, we get a lot of attention from females, and and he's very much, you know, that guy, you know, and um, we we sort of both got to a point. We booked Vegas. Vegas was the first project. We booked Vegas as mates and said, let's go on a holiday together because we haven't had one in about eight years together. Um, and let's go to Vegas and let's find out how long we should be in Vegas for and then double it, right? And so we found out five days is about the, a yeah. good length of time. So we did 10. And, uh, and and it then became a little bit of a project. We had a few drinks one day and we said, oh, wouldn't it be funny if like, we filmed the whole holiday? You know, two lads from England in Vegas in wheelchairs, what can go wrong, you know? And so it, we developed this idea. We had, we had another drink. We had another drink. And by the end of this sort of like, you know, mini session that we had at, in Waterloo, we'd come up with the idea to do a two-hour feature-length mockumentary that we would sell to all major, major platforms. And <laughs> we came up with this incredibly far-fetched plan that we were not capable of doing. Um and, and we never actually then dropped the idea. We just kept talking about it and kept going, this would be fun, this would be good. And the more I spoke about these projects, you know, going to Vegas, two lads in wheelchairs, partying, pool parties, access, you know, how does a kind of wheelchair get on a plane? So there's educational and entertainment, yeah, there's a lot going into sure. it. Yeah. Um, the more we spoke about it, the more people wanted to actually see it and they wanted to know more about the project and what we were doing. And... Um, we ended up building contacts in Vegas. And this was like four months before we even went. And what we the only thing we struggled with was finances. We didn't have enough money to actually have a real cameraman and we didn't have enough, you know, money to bring someone else with us. So we were doing it off of our own cameras. We had our own handheld cameras. We had a few GoPros. Um, we had some mics on top of the cameras. And so we had a fairly decent setup. Um, but we didn't have big over-the-shoulder cameras following us. You know, that's what we really needed. Um, and so we went and we, we filmed this project and we, we realized about halfway through that actually this was going to be more of a concept piece. You know, we probably have enough footage to go and do a massive trailer and it'd be epic while we're at it and use that as a platform to sort of then go to distribution, you know, Netflix, Amazon, whoever, and go, yeah. this is what we did with no money and look how good this is. Imagine you yeah. give us a team and half a million pound and what we could do in any other country, yeah. you know, uh, and I think there's quite, a, there's quite, a, you know, a lot of people would want to see that. You know, how yeah, do two guys from Wilshire sure. travel party, go to places? Yeah. What's yeah. that like? Um, so we had that project, and in the midst of it, sort of becoming a bigger thing, and and, it, and us building contacts in the world of production, it was then a conversation of like, wow, well, do you know what? We could, we could really do this one day. We could make this work, and that's when we came up with the idea to start a production company. Because we had other ideas in mind. I had ideas for TV series that I wanted to write. He had ideas for series he wanted to write. We both knew that we wanted to start our own podcast, which we started doing. Um, and then just other little bits that we came up with. You know, we've done a short movie, which we filmed. 
um, to try and get into international film festivals for next year. So just little projects here and there that we can try and chuck out there as a loose, you know, opportunity for us yeah. to sort of, you know, go onwards. Um, I'm at the... I'm sort of at the end stage right now of creating a pilot episode for a new psychological drama that I've created. Very, very dark, very, very unlike anything I've ever worked on in my life. I've always been that comedy guy, but I know that I can write dark. Um, so I've wrote the pilot with a team. I've got a team of of, uh, of three other writers that I've employed um, across this year, and we've all wrote it together. So it's very dark. It's very, very... Cool. It's a lot of under undercover organizations and detectives and murder and AI technology all being thrown into one series. Um, and so we we have had a bite from Amazon at this point wow. where they, they right. would be interested in having a, yeah. a meeting to to read it. You know, hopefully they like it and then it can become a series. Um, the podcast is a bit of a slow one for us. It's very much a lads chat. It's called Blow Your Load um very rude um <laughs> yeah great time um, yeah so we've had we've had i think we've had five episodes out on spotify apple and youtube currently we've yeah. got a sick one to come out in a few weeks my co-founder is currently in the philippines uh with his missus so he's he's, he's gonna return and, and we're gonna post a new one but yeah uh, you know i think the future of it is, is very unknown because um you know, I, I, we're not making any money as a company um, right now. And I, you know, need to work to make money. Yeah. So I actually start a new job working within the world of sales in a, in a few weeks time, uh, which is just completely unrelated to production, completely unrelated to acting. It's for a production company, actually. So it's not really that far off of anything, yeah. but I'm not the star or I'm not the owner. I'm not the, you know, yeah. I'm yeah. the salesman. Um, and um you know, I need to I need to have a job in order to feed my daughter and I need to pay my bills and I need to see friends and socialise and yeah. put fuel in the car and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And um I'm okay with that, you know. But it does mean that time wise, you know, we're we're I, we don't have any time now Monday to Friday to go do podcast episodes. It's gonna and I have my daughter on weekends. So how we yeah. go moving forward, I don't yeah. know. But um, you know, we've got the the, the psychological drama project. We've got the podcast started, um, and then I know that Andy's also writing his own his own show at the same time. So um, oh, he's writing that with another guy in a wheelchair from Scotland. So I'm not really involved in that project. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you want to same boat? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do filmmaking as well. As I do, we've chat chat uh, spoke about on LinkedIn, and I had to mm. find full time work because I wasn't making any money from the film. Just finish my first short like first fictional short film's just been completed and we've just entered like the festival circuit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I know what you mean about like, it's hard, especially when you're just starting out. Yeah, yeah. We came into this with no idea. I mean, literally we started an entire company over about five whiskeys, you know, uh, and it was like, it wasn't like I mean, we we'd planned for a long time and it wasn't anything that we had material already stacked up to go into. It was very spare at the moment. Um, and you know, sometimes that works. Do you know what I mean? You know how yeah. how quick was the formula for Facebook actually created? It was a moment's thought. You know, it was yeah. oh shit, if I've done this, then we can do this, and we can, and then you develop from there, don't you? It then becomes bigger. But the actual yeah. basic concept behind it was it took two seconds to think of. Um, yeah. 
and sometimes that can work you know we came and i think though we want to provide a world a future for for disabled boys and girls where you know they go holy shit if they can do it we can do it yeah you know and that's why we're disability led we're not we definitely would never turn away somebody from our company because they aren't disabled that's ridiculous of course not but Right now, everybody that is employed within our company has some level of disability, whether it's they're in a wheelchair like me and Andy, or um, they have you know autism or ADHD or something along yeah, those lines. Fantastic. Uh, everyone who works for us has something like that currently, and and yeah. uh, you know it's like it's providing opportunities. I think if we could get the company to the to, you know to the big big point, and we can have films going, and we can have TV series going, and we really have our foot through the door, then. I'd like to use it as an opportunity to give that guy with Down syndrome his dream job of being behind the camera or, you know, yeah, that girl who's an amputee wants to be a makeup artist. Well, then you can do that within my production company because that's what we're all about. So I think that's where I want to get to when we can finally sort of get our, get our foot in the door is, is that would be a great opportunity for us. I mean, what a fantastic prospect, really, yeah. and so inclusive. Um, I mean, Joe and I used to we we meet we met yeah, used to work for a beating company. <laughs> yeah, we which which was a drama company for adults with learning difficulties, and and they we we used to put on productions. And there's so much talent there, you know. But yeah. I mean, adults with learning difficulties. There's so much negativity and stereotype. I mean, we could mm. talk forever about it. I mean, I'm I'm conscious of the time and not keeping you too long, Jack. But I wanted to ask you, and this is probably a massive question, you know, at the end, but. I mean, in terms of the industry and in terms of general life, I mean, have you experienced much kind of ableism like in your life, discrimination through being a wheelchair user? I feel like the, the short answer is no. And it's a really, okay. uh, I, I, suppose, I suppose it's quite a boring answer, isn't it? Because, you know, you'd want someone to say yes, and then there's a big discussion about why and what happened. But it... I I I'm I have such a strong persona and such a strong loud loud mouthy character, right? That people don't really go as far as discriminating me okay. because they know I'm gonna just absolutely ruin them for it themselves. Yeah. You know, I I don't necessarily have this hard man persona about me, but if I was to swing, it would hurt. I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover, but in a scenario where, yeah. you know, what I'm saying. I'm, I'm I'm a strong dude, and that's very obvious. If you if you saw me, I'm very very wide, and you know I think I've had it before that where in like a pub scenario, or you know someone's making a joke about the wheelchair or or laughing about something, and I've heard it, and I've just turned my wheelchair around to face them and just stared at them, and they've just gone, oh shit, you know, because they've sort of gone. Ah, oh, sorry, dude. Like I didn't, you know, and and, and suddenly you're back yeah. in a way, you know, in those scenarios where you either really, really mean what you're doing, or you, you know, aren't afraid of that person, then you would just continue and go, "Well, this is this is what I meant, yeah. mate." You know, yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't feel like I've experienced too much of it because I have that sort of very outlandish. Behavior, strong and, personality. Uh, you have a very strong. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, you know. I, I I think if you were to do a study on it and you were to look at statistics of people that have gone through discrimination and ableism and and that sort of thing, 
and you categorised them on whether they were an introvert or an extrovert, you would see that maybe 80% of those people are introverts. Yeah, I see what you meant. No, I've never really I, thought I, about I, it I, like that. Yeah, but yeah, I see what you mean. Because yeah. it, someone like me would turn around in the face of discrimination and throw it right back at them. I'm happy to, you know, cause a scene. You know, I'm happy to be loud about it. I'm happy to be that lad, you know. Yeah. And, you know, again, how much of that is persona and how much of that is the real me? But what I have to accept is that if I don't know who the real me is, then what other choice do I have but to continue being a persona and just calling it my own? Yeah. So in those scenarios, I am very much like, what do you want, mate? What do you say? You know, and it's like that. You know, that's my friends. That's my, that's where I come from. That's my upbringing. It's very much like, yeah. what, what, you know? And so I carry that on regardless of being a wheelchair or not. Yeah. Um, somebody who, you know, is much more of an introvert and, and is, is sort of maybe not out in social scenarios as often as I am or, doesn't go to the pub drinking with friends is very much happy at home with a book or a comic book or video games or whatever, yeah. you know, in the face of discrimination, ableism would sort of just power, look how, but you know, crumble and, and, yeah. and yeah. Just sort of go into a, go into a pit of like, ah, oh, what do I say? I'm being attacked. And, and, you know, and that's, and that's how they deal with it. And I can't, I can't turn around and say, you know, that's the wrong way of dealing with it because everybody, has to deal with things in their own way where that might be the really healthy way for them to deal with it and that's absolutely fine then but i can only talk on behalf of myself and i know that in those scenarios i'm very much like a rhino i'm like come on in you know and i'm let's go yeah. i don't mean fighting i mean the attitude i mean like let's go yeah. you want to you bring up you want to bring up legs let's talk about yours you know <laughs> and then, it, and then yeah. it's just a bit of a banner isn't it you know it's, it's yeah i turn everything into humor because it's the easiest thing to do yeah yeah. you know so yeah i haven't really i'll be honest um i couldn't think of a scenario where i've had it i'll be honest i, I really really can't think of one on the spot but um i've had hateful comments over the years you know I'd, i get a lot of looks you know um i've had it before where you know i've been out with my I mean, me and my daughter's mother were separated about three years ago now but I, i've been out with her before when we were still in a relationship holding hands or whatever and they sort of go oh you know how's your sister and they I couldn't it couldn't be your girlfriend could it you know because you're in a wheelchair yeah. um little things like that i've had comments like that um i've i i think i i think the future is different for, for the younger generation you know my daughter's disabled too and fortunately medicine's come such a long way she'll probably never need a wheelchair but she has obviously grown up with a disabled dad and, and she very much understands the wheelchair. And I, I hear it a lot when I pick her up from nursery. She's walking down the corridor or I go into the classroom to get her and I hear other kids and they go, that's Daisy's daddy. And then they sort of go, oh, what's that? And then one kid will be like, that's a wheelchair. You know, because uh, they've officially changed W in the kids' alphabet. W is wheelchair now. Yeah. Uh, we're on whale or whatever I think it was, but it's officially now wheelchair. And kids mm. are learning about it. You know, yeah, it's kids good. are learning, and it isn't. Yeah. This, we, we are no different. And they're just, oh, it's a wheelchair. And mm. then there's no more on it because they're just like, ah, okay. You know, 
It's like another pair of shoes, wheelchair shoes, whatever. You know, it's such a simple thing nowadays, and that's exactly yeah. where it needs to be in yeah. order to be less discrimination down the line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, thanks, Jack. I mean, that that's. I mean, I, I could literally talk to you for another hour, Jack, but I, I, we can't take any more of your time. Is yeah. there anything that that we haven't asked you, Jack, that you'd like to say just at the end? No, I mean, I'll be honest with you, mate. I've still got a good 10 minutes. I, I, I sort of thought it was take an hour. So if you want oh. to ask questions for 10 more minutes, I'm happy. Um, oh, I'm okay. Okay. Well, 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 let, well, let's take that opportunity then. Okay. Do, do, you want to, do you want to ask anything, Joe? Do you want to come back in? I think like I think he's answered a lot of my questions. Um, one of my, I think one of my questions would be like, were your like co-stars and stuff supportive when it came to like being in the industry for stuff like bad education and... Uh, life's too short were they supportive with your career and did they give you any sort of guidance um well well with with life's too short that was my first ever acting job and I was only about um I, I must have only been about 12 or 13 years old at the time and I was you know in the in, within you know arm's reach of Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant Warwick Davis and Johnny Depp's knocking about somewhere and um I, I don't think I really knew what I was doing, to be honest with you. It was a bit of a blur, you know. I knew what I had to do. It was very, very funny. Uh, the, the clip that I'm involved in is hilarious and still gets sent to me to this very day by random people all over the world. And um, uh, I don't think I really took it in. I don't think I really appreciate it. I was just very much like, no, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to turn up and you know have a laugh. But with bad education, yeah, it's a lot more serious and... For a good few of us in that cast, this was again our first big acting job. Yeah. So, in terms of support, I think everyone was in, very much in a bit of a free for all. It was very much like we're going to go at our own pace and we're going to learn and we're going to strive and we're going to, you know, do everything. And we were, I, I, we were a close unit. We were all good friends, but I definitely felt the divide for myself because I was the youngest. So I was 15, and I think there's a couple of them that were 17, there was one that was 19, there was one that was 21, then there was like two that were 25 plus. And so I'm this 15-year-old, there's a good age gap there, isn't there? And I, I've almost got treated like I was the younger one, you know, because I still had to go through school as well. So I'm filming bad education. I'm also an athlete at this point still in series one. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm having to go to filming and film for eight or nine hours in those eight or nine hours, do three hours of tutoring for my GCSEs, then leave the filming and go to the racing track and train for two hours. And it absolutely killed me. And it was the entire reason that I gave up athletics was because I thought, you know, acting is the way forward for me because I, um, I'm making money, firstly. Yeah. Uh, it's way more fun. There's no blood, sweat and tears unless I'm being asked to bleed, sweat or do tears. Um and uh, it's it's an easier life for me. Um, so yeah, I did get support. Everyone was very nice. I can I never got treated badly or anything like that in the industry. Um, but I I did feel like I got treated like I'm the younger one, which I was. So you know, can't really, yeah. But you know what? As we say, back sorry, back to the whole Chinese farmer thing. I was mentioning yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the whole year of me doing this, the last few weeks for me, personally speaking, have been really, really tough. And I've hit a low point. And I've sort of I've told friends I've I've had this low point. And uh, what I did was I started blogging. I made a WordPress, right? 
and I started blogging about how I felt and it really helped to blog it, right? And I actually posted these blogs on my social media so everyone in the world could read it. And I had quite a few people come back to me like, oh my God, this is exactly how I feel. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. I just don't know how to write it, you know, yeah. you've done it for me. Yeah. And I said to myself, I said, I'm going to keep this up. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this up. And I was presented about two weeks ago with a new opportunity in my life, which is paddle tennis. And if you've heard of paddle oh, tennis, yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah, I have. It's yeah. a bit like tennis meets squash. Yeah, right? it's played yeah. in a glass cage. Yeah. Um, I got presented with the opportunity to start playing paddle, wheelchair paddle, and um, I'm now two weeks into this journey, and I'm looking to create England's first wheelchair GB team. Oh, I mean, oh, wow. so yeah. I'm now. I've I've decided to go back into full time training. Yeah. For, um, and I've got a competition this weekend. I've got a training session tomorrow. But the idea here is that I'm I'm the driving force behind creating this new wheelchair sport, and then building a team, and then going out to all the existing countries where they have a team and competing. Oh, um, right. Yeah. And, and instantly, it was it was it was it was. Re- ridiculous okay but i had that first training session i had such fun in that hour right that i went home a different man i then had six training sessions over the next week right and i read my blog and didn't even understand what i wrote yeah i mean yeah i mean there's something just to pick up i mean there's I mean, it's multi-layered, I think, but, you know, but just on a fundamental level, there is something really, really, I think, helpful about exercise and mental health. I mean, there's there's a there's a stack of research, you know, more and more stuff coming out every day saying that physical exercise, whether that be cardio or weight-bearing exercise, best thing for mental health, you know, often better than medication. So it doesn't really surprise me that, you know, you're in a low period and then you went, and you you did the physical exercise, and of course it's not just that you know it's everything that yeah. you just said that that your mood came up. I mean, it, it is the best thing for you know for for mental health. Yeah, you know, yeah. So it doesn't really surprise I, me. I really but... think it's a chain effect, isn't it? It's, it's a real chain effect. And again, to me, this screams Chinese farmer. But like you know, I yeah. I'm at this low point. I'm looking for a job at the same time. Yeah, I start playing paddle. My entire mood changes. Yeah. I go for a job interview and I find out I get it the next day after two months yeah. of being turned down at a sales job interview for uh, an electric vehicle charging company three weeks ago. Didn't get it, right? They thought I was great, but didn't get it, right? Start playing paddle. I'm four or five sessions in, have this job interview. I've got it in the next day. Yeah. Right. How, how different a person was I between those two interviews? knowing that I've now started doing this and this is me. Had I not gone and taken up this opportunity to play paddle, I wouldn't have got this job. I wouldn't be starting my new job on a September 18th. I then wouldn't have money in November for my daughter's birthday. It's it's a chain effect, isn't it? It's that, if the bloody horse had run away, I wouldn't have got 50 more. So that's, it's that, isn't it? And I reckon if you guys, honestly, if anyone on this earth just took a moment and and understood Chinese farmer and and then thought about it, you know, it sort of backs off the whole black swan concept of like you leaving your house five minutes later than normal and yeah. get hit by a car. Well, if you just hadn't have had that extra slice of toast, that wouldn't have happened, yeah. you know, because you'd have been yeah. on time, you know, and it's it's very much like that, isn't it? You know, and, and you at that, that yeah. point, you just have to accept, yeah, but I'm now me- I'm meant to be this person. 
you yeah. know. Yeah. You see that a lot with, with athletes who are disabled. You sort of go, oh, man, why did I decide to just jump into that shallow pool and break my neck, you know? And then 10 yeah. years later, so much rehab, so much mental health that going on there, they win their first Paralympic medal. And before they jumped into that pool, they were partying, drinking in uni yeah. four or five times a week, had no clear future, you know. And yeah. now they're a Paralympian, they go, fuck, man, I was meant to break my neck, you know. And it's such yeah. a bizarre thing to think about, isn't yeah. it, that that was meant to happen. Definitely, but yeah. It's, at the end of the day, it's a coping mechanism as well, isn't it? It's yeah. you sort of going, I need to give myself a sense of purpose behind where I am in order for me to actually accept that I'm here and be happy about it. You know, yeah, yeah. for sure. You just sort of yeah. go, oh, well, am I meant to be? Oh, well, all right. Then. You know, yeah. you sort of just go, you're not, that's not you accepting it. That's you just sort of going, ah, oh, bollocks. You know, and that's yeah. what I've done so many times in my life. I've been that guy yeah. who just, ah, oh, bollocks. You know, yeah. uh, and I've done nothing about it. You yeah. know, I so, mean, finding, finding meaning, sliding doors moments. Like synchronicity, you know. I mean, I'm a, I mean, yeah, I'm a firm believer in that. I mean, uh, and finding meaning, isn't it? You know, I just I, yeah. putting everything into a context and finding meaning through it. I think is so so important, isn't it? You know, just kind of really yeah. zooming out. And I mean, and that's you know the 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 story of the of the farmer is that, isn't it? It's just really zooming out and not really focusing on the one thing, just looking at the wider concept. I mean, Jack, yeah. it's been it's been a brilliant interview, and it's been yeah. really nice to meet you. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. Thank you. I mean, is there anything you want to say just as we finish, Jack? Is there anything you want to say that we've not given you the opportunity to? No, not at all. I mean, no. I, I would just urge you know all of your listeners um, and yourselves to really sort of go and, and listen to that Chinese farmer story because it yeah. really will, you know, it may not be, it may not be something that you need right now, you know, you might be at a really great point in your life and, you know, you've got your new boyfriend or girlfriend, you've got your new job, you've got your new car and finally you've got, you booked your holiday for next year. But yeah. it's one of those ones that you you never know when you might need it. And yeah. it's great to have stored away for a later date, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the best version of that story that I've ever heard was, you can Google it, it's on YouTube, and it's Shia LaBeouf. And he... he talks about the Chinese farmer story on a podcast with another guy, famous actor, I can't remember yeah. his name. Um, he, he tells it in such a Shia LaBeouf way, right? But it's, <laughs> it, it's and it's great. It's such a modernised version of the original fable that came out many, 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 many hundreds of years ago. Uh, and he sort of added a little bit more detail into it, which is the version I've given you. And it, it makes it a lot more interesting to listen to. But give that a listen to, right? Let him explain it to, to you the way he did. Because I heard it from him. Okay. And, and, and he he talks about it because he went through a messy divorce. Yeah. That's where he was at. He was, at, he was going through a messy, messy divorce. And he you know, was this guy and, you know, perhaps a drinker, perhaps violent, and, and that's the way he dealt with things. And he got told to listen to this tape. And he talks about listening to that tape. And he talks about going home after listening to that tape to his wife, who's kicking all his things out of the house and telling him to get in the car. And he just goes, okay, I will. And he accepts it and he moves on and now he's happy in life. And he could have chose a different path and he didn't. Yeah. Right, and it's Chinese farmer, you know, gave him that mentality to go, 
I need to accept that I'm what I am where I am. This is how it's meant to be. Yeah, yeah, you know? I, yeah. I mean, so this, I think, yeah. yeah, that's what I would. That's what I would say As for, to your listeners and to yourselves and to anyone else. Just take what take two minutes. Watch Chinese Farmer, and um, yeah. it really will make a difference in your life. Okay, I mean that's a nice place to finish. Joe, did you want to say something before we? Finish? If you if you have any links or anything you'd like us to share, just uh, if you send them to me, I'll share them on our social media. Uh, yeah, great. Yeah, hopefully one yeah. day we could collaborate or something again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm happy to come back for a second episode of this. I got a lot more to say about mental health, and I'm sure you guys do. Yeah. So if you want to do another, yeah, in, in another series, you want to bring me back, then. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it would be brilliant. Let, I mean, let's have you back on Series 5, Jack, because I've got, I mean, I've written, I've got pages of stuff I've, I've wrote down to ask you, yeah. you know, I mean, so we'll, we'll definitely get you back on. But I did, just for now, I just want to say thank you for your generosity yeah. and thank you so coming much. on. And it's been really great to meet you, Jack. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, so you great. too. Yeah, once again, I'd just like to thank Jack for coming on the show and his you know, absolute generosity in terms of time and sharing um, I hope our listeners will agree it was a really, really interesting show. And you know, what a nice guy. Um, really, really warmed to to Jack. Um, I mean, what, what he was saying about the uh, the tale around the kind of Chinese farmer, you know, I mean, these, uh, I guess that in, that in itself was a sliding door moment. I mean, that had such a massive effect on him. And I guess came at a time when, you know, he needed it. You know, I mean, a big believer in synchronicity and sliding door moments and, uh, yeah and i guess lots of the things that jack was saying kind of really pointed to that um really interesting to hear um jack's journey with mental health uh in terms of his career and some of the highs and some of the lows and i thought that was very very interesting and some of the shadow side i guess of being a celebrity there are things i could have asked more about uh, i could have asked more around the kind of transition for jack into fatherhood um jack mentioned that a few times and Hopefully we can get Jack on again in season five and I can ask a little bit more about that. Um, I mean, his, his new projects, I thought, sounded really, really exciting. Um, and, and also the, the the new studio that he set up with, uh, with his partner, uh, with his friend, you know, really, really being open to, you know, a diverse range of performers. Um, I thought that sounded absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, and really, really nice to have Joe back on the show. Um, it was just kind of like old times, um, shades of hashtag never alone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I just hope our listeners really enjoyed that one. I, I I just really warmed to Jack. He's such a nice guy, isn't he? And uh, we'll definitely try and get Jack back on in uh, Series 5. Um, we're kind of putting out the podcast at a, quite a quick rate this week. Um, on Friday, I'll be interviewing... Uh, Michelle Craig um, and she's going to be talking about binge eating disorder a uh, really important topic um, and uh, just as I say at the end of our uh, uh, one of the interviews you look after yourselves look after each other look after the planet and I'll see you on the next episode Thanks again for listening to the show. If you have been affected by any of the topics on this show or any other of our shows, um, if you're in the UK, then please reach out. Um, Samaritans can be contacted on 116-123. Now, the GP is also a good source of um, contact and can be the gateway for you know, counselling services and other mental health 
support. Um, reach out to your mental health support team, um, mental health first aider, um, or trusted friend, colleague, or family member. We have a lot of international listeners. Um, so if you're listening from a non-UK country, um, then please reach out to you know your country's healthcare and mental health care providers. Um, and remember, it's okay not to be okay. Hashtag psychotherapy.